and welcome back to the Dentistry Podcast. Um, I'm Gabby Bissett and I am here today with Neil Pathari, a general dentist based in Sawston, Cambridgeshire, uh, who works in a mixed NHS private practice. Um, so, I mean, how's dentistry been so far for you this year? It's been, it's been very good. It's been better than it was this time last year where we had quite a lot of uncertainty. Um, when COVID first hit us, we, we just didn't have a clue. Nobody really knew um, what, the, um, what the rules were. Nobody knew what we could do. And actually, um, a lot of the information we received wasn't really from official sources. Um, I'm, I'm pretty sure most people can relate, but we, we all learned a lot through things like WhatsApp and Facebook and people sharing things. Whereas this time round, um, it, it's almost as if things are changing at a much slower pace. We're starting to learn a little bit more about what works and it doesn't. So the, the certainty this year has been a lot better. And, you know, as a, as a practice owner, that's um, huge. So we, we, find that, uh, we find that absolutely essential. Yeah, absolutely. I know um, last year you were one of the first to um, set yourself up as a UDC. I mean, can you tell us a little bit about that? How, how, how's that been over the last 12 months? Um, when we saw what was happening with, um, with, with healthcare being shut down, um, my immediate thoughts were, I'm not entirely sure how it's going to work for dentistry. Um, the opportunity came up to be a UDC, I volunteered. I, I wasn't entirely sure what was going to be, um, what was going to be involved, um, whether it was me working out of my own practice or being um, deployed to another area. At the time, we didn't know. But um, in, in my particular area in the east of England, the, the UDCs, I, I believe we were one of the first people to set up. So um, I, I believe I was sort of operationally live from the 1st of April, which, which meant that the practice was pretty much closed for a week and then we'd, we'd reopened. So it was an interesting time. We learned a lot. And in, in many ways, um, I'd almost seen the, the evolution of the various um, standard operating procedures from, from the very beginning to, um, to what we're sort of pretty much using at the moment. And it, 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 was, it was an interesting time. Um, we're sort of, we, we still are um, technically available for urgent services. So um, if, if somebody sends a referral to me, um, We'll, we'll get them seen to as best as we can, but um, it's, it's definitely not the same. And I haven't, haven't personally received a referral for a little while. So it's been, um, it, it's almost back to normal um, in, in terms of how, how we're operating, albeit with, with certain restrictions. How, how quickly did you see this return um, sort of come back, if that makes sense? Because I know a lot of people, obviously dental practices, we opened their doors in, in June last year. And I've, after speaking to a few people, I've, I've sort of felt there was a, as different speeds for different practices, depending on what you sort of offer. Um, yeah, when would you say you start, sort of started to see a, a return that you can sort of class as normal, if you will? I, I don't think we, we're probably going to see an absolute normal. Um, every different practice will have their own challenges and every different patient base will have their own challenges. We, we may just have to live with the fact that um, certain things like enhanced PPE, spacing, um, social distancing might just be something in healthcare that's here to say. I, I don't, you know, whenever you have a change in um, protocol or um, anything to do with, let's say, hygiene, it's very easy to put the change in, but 
it, it's, it's actually a lot harder to reverse it. You're going to need somebody brave enough to stand up and say, right, you don't need to do this anymore. You can go back to doing it the way you were. And I don't really see anyone doing that. I, I think that's, you know, not, not certainly not for a while. And we may just have to accept that in the longer term, we, we may end up just working something similar to what we're working now. I, I don't really know. And, um, uh, you know, I, I certainly think for the foreseeable future, I can't see an absolute return to normal. That being said, uh, doesn't have to return to normal as long as uh, businesses are operating, people are kept in jobs, patients are being seen, and um, healthcare is being delivered. Because, I mean, ultimately, what this, you know, we're in a business of healthcare. So if we can still provide it in a, in a safe and an efficient way, then, then that's fantastic. And I'm in a lucky position because I'm, that I'm, I'm in a mixed practice. A lot of my patients are um, privately seen and, and I do have patients on the NHS. So I'm, I'm, I'm fairly lucky in that sense because I've got a, a mix of patients and um, I've perhaps been less affected than some of my colleagues. Um, but yeah, it's, it's whether it will ever return to normal, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, that's, I think at the moment, people are just grateful to be sort of, doing dentistry as best they can um, in the current circumstances. Like you said, I think PPE isn't going to disappear anytime soon. I mean, who knows, but um, it seems like it's just going to be something that dentists and dental teams will have to sort of um, live with, I guess, uh, for the foreseeable. Um, but this 45% this target that sort of came into force from the 1st of January uh, this year, um, Obviously, this was met with a, a lot of um, resistance, not even resistance, but a lot of sort of upset, I guess, from from many. Um, I mean, have you been have you been hitting this 45 percent? Oh, we have. Um, we've got a very um, small NHS contract compared to other practices. Um, and we, we've, we're probably at around the 60 percent, I believe, for the first um, few months. And we haven't we haven't really been spending a lot of time checking the targets we've just been sort of getting on with it and every now and again I have a little glance at it but um, I, I think if I was a practice and I, that I was a hundred percent NHS and I was relying on that then, then there's a lot of stress involved in that and whether you hit or achieve that target or fail to achieve that target th there is a, a, a level of mental stress because um, essentially that that money isn't all going to the dentist that's being distributed amongst your staff and your associates and you know at the end at the end of this we've got to remember that a dental business the provision of dentistry absolutely funds lots and lots and lots of people um, including laboratory technicians who have been uh, not really very well supported during this time so we I can understand the need to uh, you know, for, for the NHS and for the government say, right, we need to get start, start working, we need to start providing services and we, we need to clear this backlog. Um, but it, it, it's, it, for us, we've met it, but that's, that's not going to be the same in, in all practices. I mean, in my particular practice, none of my staff are in shielding or vulnerable groups. Um, my staff, none of my staff have had, have had to self-isolate because of COVID. I've had a couple of members who've had to um, who've had to self-isolate because they've been tagged on the track and trace, although they've had COVID. So it, it, is, um, it is a difficulty, you know, putting targets in at a time like this. Some practices will meet it with ease. Other practices really struggle. I don't think it, it's a very 
um, it, it's a very crude way of having a bespoke solution for each practice. Yeah, definitely. I think that's a good point there. Everyone's going to have a different story, I guess, in different circumstances, um, which means it's it might be achievable for some and, and, and not for others. Um, I mean, obviously, this week it's been announced that this is going to increase um, as of 1st of April. Um, yes to 60 percent this this has been increased to i mean obviously it was only a couple of days before this was set to come into force that this information was sort of made public um which again i think has been met with some some upset um from nhs teams what what do you think about this do you think this is a, a fair target um or is it sort of your feelings quite similar to to how how you interpreted the 45 i think there are some genuinely legitimate problems um Firstly, we are delivering a service. So if a practice is struggling to hit 60% for very legitimate reasons, uh, they are looking forwards and they're going to be saying, well, how are we going to meet higher targets? Um, th th there are certain things that they may need to do, like employ more staff or put on extra clinics or open on the weekend or later in the evening to actually safely see patients. So. To be, to be told a couple of very, very shortly, you know, a few days before, um, before the 1st of April doesn't actually allow service providers and, and dental teams to organise themselves. We just, there is no, um, there is no um, strategic planning. Um, the other thing to bear in mind is during the 45% target days, it's worth bearing in mind that the country has largely been in lockdown. A lot of staff members haven't necessarily wanted to go on holiday. There's nowhere to go. So a lot of dentists um, have not taken annual leave during January, February and March. So now that there is a higher target, which is fine, we also have to put it in the context of this occurring during the summer months. And of course, um, people building up their, building up their holiday allowances um, in the case of self-employed dentists, um, it, it may be that, um, that, that, they, that people with children may want to take time off during the summer holidays. So it's not quite as easy to, um, to say that um, all practices will be able to hit this target. In fact, even the um, letters from, from NHS England said that the mean average was 59% that was achievable. So by setting it at 60%, that, that sort of tells you that actually probably more than half of practices haven't been hitting 60% at the moment. So what this tells us is that if they haven't been hitting 60%, what's going to change in order for them to hit that 60%? Um, and, and that's where the, the question is, because there's a lot of NHS practices who are, who, who, who are working flat out. And, you know there are good and bad practices everywhere and and there are going to be some practices who are not going to be meeting their commitments they may not be playing by the rules but there are going to be lots and lots of practices who are and the question is how are they actually going to do this because if they now want to take holiday allowances um, if patients are still feeling cautious about coming in and also if you are working flat out What's going to change in order for you to hit that 60% or, or, or bump yourself up the, um, up, up the percentages? So, so I think this is where the problem lies. And 
But the questions are, during a pandemic, is this an appropriate way to actually work? And we do have to ask ourselves a few questions. Um, if we talk about, let's say, human factors in terms of how dentists perform and how people work, if, for instance, dentists are pushing themselves to work longer and longer hours, how will this affect performance? Um, that, that's, that, that these, are, these are legitimate questions because it's not necessarily easy working with um, uh, high-level masks and gowns. You know, we may, people may get used to them, but that plus long hours, longer days, holidays, these sorts of things can have healthcare consequences. And we know that within um, a lot of healthcare, it has been tough for the last few months. And dentistry is no exception. So, you know, there will be some practices who at the moment will see the 60% target and they'll be saying, not a problem, I'm hitting 65, I'm hitting 75. And, you know, life, I think we can make this work. But there'll also be practices who, for very legitimate reasons, um, will, be, will be struggling. And, and, and practice is actually going to do. And, and you know, I, I, don't, I don't think the NHS has very good answers for working without targets, because targets have always been used um, in NHS dentistry. The, the very first patient charge was introduced in dentistry in 1951 for full dentures. And since then, some form of financial incentive or target has been used to control output. And, and this is a little bit of a problem because despite the fact that for over a decade we've been promised a new contract, I actually don't see any signs or any evidence that the NHS has a method of remunerating dentistry um, without targets. Dentistry to the NHS is a little bit like the awkward cousin in the family that nobody quite wants to invite for a party, but you, you kind of have to because it's a family gathering. So, so, so to me, you, you, you do have to question yourself. You, you do have to question how well does dentistry fit within the NHS model? Because it's already a sort of target-based model where most people are not necessarily, um, you know, most people are contributing very heavily to their NHS fees. In many cases, the NHS is contributing absolutely zero to the patient's charges. So it really is a, a difficult, um, it, it really is a difficult time. And I think this has always been the problem with targets. It's amplified by the fact that there is still uncertainty. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think going back to what you said there as well about um, holidays, for example, coming up and people starting to take days off because there's more to do. I think, again, going back to the PPE, I mean, today's a good demonstration of it. The weather is going to start to get warmer. And I remember having some conversations last summer with dentists where they were saying it's really difficult to work in that level of PPE when it's warm outside. Um, so there's definitely a lot of factors to take into consideration um, going forward. Um, it's really interesting what you said about targets as well. What, I mean, what do you think, in an ideal world, what would you like to see happen um, to NHS dentistry? I mean, we, we ran a discussion um, recently about if, if there is a future for it. Um, do, do you think there is a place for dentistry within the NHS going forward? I think there is a place for Dent, uh, for, for, for dentistry within the NHS, but at the moment, we have to be absolutely honest, 
Um, the band three fee, um, which comes to 280, uh, 80 odd pounds, um, this isn't an affordable contribution for a lot of people. Um, I've got family members, I've got friends who for rightly or wrongly, and you, you know, whenever these conversations come up, you always hear a number of people saying, oh, well, they shouldn't do this, they shouldn't do that, and they shouldn't smoke. I, I, look, it's not for me to judge. It's not for me to judge what somebody does to help them get through the day. And, and as a dentist, I'm not really interested in the politics of it. I, I provide dentistry, I'm here to help. Um, but we're in a position now where we've got an economic disaster looming. Half of the high street is not currently working and we simply don't know how many, patient, how, how many of our patients will be affected when the coronavirus packages come to an end. We just don't know. So the problem that I see at the moment is that the, the government is absolutely wedded to funding NHS dentistry through patient charge revenues. But there's already quite a lot of evidence that approximately one in five patients have put off NHS dentistry because of cost. What's going to happen when a lot of people go back to work and perhaps the business may not have enough for five days? I think uh, five days employment or self-employment, I, I don't know. So my concern is, is that that one in five number is going to grow and grow and grow. And we're going to find a, a lot of people who are, um, who, who are working but poor or work with not particularly high levels of disposable income. So by calling it NHS dentistry, it, it sort of implies that the NHS is contributing. And I don't, I don't think there's a lot of, um, there, there's a lot of clarity. And, and I think a lot of patients would be absolutely shocked to realize that how little the NHS is actually funding their treatment. And there, there is a lot of evidence and a lot of good work done by groups like the BDA, which have shown that actually the, the levels of funding from the NHS are very similar to what they were 10 years ago. We haven't seen huge levels of, uh, of, of increase. So this is actually a, a big problem. This is a problem brewing because, you know, if, you, if you're saying to dentists, right, we're gonna put targets on uh, and you've got to hit these targets, you have to question how much the charge revenue is actually frustrating the NHS contract. Um, how on earth can a dentist meet their targets if you know if let, I'll give you I'll give you a very common everyday scenario uh, a patient walks in who's had dentistry um, uh, done with lots of metal fillings on their back teeth many many years ago and very often you know a, a portion of the tooth breaks away and, and there are often a number of options one option could be to repair the tooth via a filling material or another option could be to use a laboratory to produce an onlay or a crown or something like that. Well, one option generates three UDAs and another option generates 12 UDAs. So if patients decide that they're not going to go for the longer term treatments, this is going to have a compounding effect on healthcare where, where patients are perhaps not going for, you know, the clinically most appropriate or, or the most long-term option. It's also going to have an effect on trying to provide um, tr tr dentists trying to hit their targets 
and actually not being able to do that because patients are not necessarily taking up the treatment options. So I know that, I know that slightly goes off on a tangent there, Gabby, because you, you sort of asked me about, um, will there be a future for the NHS? I, I think the problem with the NHS, um, and, and this, this may sound like a backhanded compliment to some of my colleagues, and it probably is, but dentists are very resourceful and they find ways of making things work. And that's a bit of a problem. That's a, I think we've got to be a little bit honest about this and we've got to say, well, actually, um, you know, dentistry, NHS dentistry will survive, but what something has to give. You know, if we say, if we say that, that, that we want, that we, we need a certain amount of access to NHS dentistry, um, we want a certain level of quality that's provided by NHS dentistry, and, and all of this is wrapped within a certain fixed budget. Something has to give. Some, some part of that has to change. Now, that might be the NHS saying, right, we're going to increase the budget. It might be the NHS saying, right, we're going to reduce and we're, we're not going to be providing what we're currently providing. Although it's very, very hard to know what they're going to cut back on because it, it's, you know, there isn't, um, there are already a lot of options like dental implants, which are provided by some health services abroad which are not provided in the UK so it's very hard to know what what what's going to be done to make it work what um what do you think about the last 12 months in terms of do you think it's sort of sped up um the thought process of some who may have been considering um sort of shifting over to the private side um from NHS do you think this has sort of been detrimental to the NHS in that more people will start to leave NHS dentistry and and sort of embrace the private side of the profession well, I'll go back to what I said earlier um, about certainty yeah. and how important it is when you're running a business. Um, some dentists will have very high UDA values and they've probably got a very, very, very good deal. And, you know, for them, transferring to a private model probably will, will be a bit of a sideways move, um, taking on a fair bit of risk for not that much gain. The rest of us um, are, are not quite so lucky. Um, and, and the question then has to become, what are the advantages and what are the disadvantages? Now, when I first qualified um, back in 2005, um, a lot of my colleagues were asking themselves very genuine questions of, can we afford to leave the NHS? Can we, can, you know, can we provide um, private care? And, you know, in the back of the minds of a lot of people would be, well, actually, how many of my patients would transfer? And will I have enough work? Will my business continue? I think now a lot of people are asking themselves the opposite question, can I afford to stay within the NHS? The problem within the NHS is a lack of control. And when you're running a business, I mean, I, I can only speak for my, my own um, particular set of circumstances. I've, I've got long-standing staff. Um, I've got three other dentists who are my associates and a hygienist. The thought of me making somebody redundant or sacking somebody or, 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 or not being able to pay someone's, someone's wages, that, that's, that's probably the worst thing that any practice owner could do. That's a really hard, hard for, for me to do. So, I, 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 you know, that's probably the worst part of running a business. I, I'd really struggle to do that. Now... If I was very heavily wedded to the NHS and 
I got to the point where I thought, well, actually, I can't make this work, then it's a problem. It's a very, very big problem because that has very real consequences for, for my staff and for, I'm, I'm not talking about myself. I'm not saying I need to earn a certain amount of income or anything like that. Um, I do, and I would like to, but th that's not what I'm saying. What I'm, what I'm saying is when you're running a business, it's more than just one person. It's a team. It's a huge team of people. And as a practice owner, I've got certain decisions to make. But ultimately, people will be looking towards me to protect them, to protect their families, to make sure that we are treating them fairly and in a respectful way. And also making them feel safe. So if I was to say to my patients, right, now we've sorry, say to my staff, now we've got to see, you know, 10% more patients or 20% more patients. My, my nurses and my, my staff could quite, quite rightly come back and they'll say to me, what's changed? Has the virus gone away? Have the rules changed? Um, are we back to normal? And, and this is where the difficulty lies. So will more and more people be jumping ship and leaving the NHS? I, I, this, this is... It's probably not going to be a very committal answer, but I actually think that it, it's really up to the NHS of how attractive they make NHS dentistry to individual practices and to individual owners. Because ultimately, as, as you know, a lot of people don't necessarily want to leave the NHS, especially if you've been working with the NHS for many, many years but ultimately may not have much of a choice if they cannot operate their business in a, in a, in a successful way. Yeah, no, absolutely. That's a really good point. Um, how, how long have you had an NHS contract for? So I, I bought into my practice um, uh, just over 10 years ago. So um, I'm in a little bit of a um, uh, slightly different position to most other dentists because up until last year, and I probably shouldn't admit this, but I'm going to. <laughs> I didn't have actually ever hit my NHS target. So um, I've had about six or seven breach notices in a row. Um, and I've, I've never hit my NHS target. Actually, up until last year. Uh, sorry, up until this year. Um, and and I've, never really, um, I've never really paid too much attention to the targets themselves. It, as, as I say, we're lucky in the sense that it's not a very, very big part of our practice, um, but we, we haven't, you know, we're a very long established practice and we're a family um, practice in a village. So um, we're, we're just on the south of Cambridge. So a lot of our patients have been with us for many, many, many years. So we, we don't really have much scope for, in, you know, doing more NHS dentistry or less, unless we start to put on additional sessions and work long hours and and my staff just won't go for that they, they just won't they you know on it, it is you know if i you know i uh, yeah they, they just they'll 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 tell me quite bluntly when i'm wrong <laughs> but that's what you want right you know that's that's good <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely absolutely so if any of my staff are watching this uh, <laughs> by all means tell me when i'm wrong just just not every day you know just <laughs> but, but yeah no um look I mean, ultimately, what this, what this comes down to is um, um, everyone's in a slightly different position. And um, 
Um, I'm, I'm, I'm very lucky. My staff have been with me for years and years and years. We have had hardly any staff turnover. So we're, we're, a, we're a very well-knit practice. Um, uh, and we've, we've been with each other for many, many years. So we, don't, we can't really change the way we're doing things very quickly. No, I think it goes back to your point that you made earlier. Yeah, everything is very different for, for each individual practice and each individual staff member. Um, and this sort of overarching approach, I guess, to NHS dentistry um, doesn't seem to be working, particularly at the moment within this sort of pandemic situation where, where everybody's been affected differently, even down to where your practice is in the country. You know, there's disparities between certain areas and um it, it, it's not just about the practice itself it is it is a lot of other external factors coming into play and that makes it very difficult for some and so so the makeup of my practice is that we have um a certain number of nhs patients who are children and, and patients who are exempt um the, the the majority of my patients are private patients who either pay as you go or are based on the dem plan care scheme um, we Following the pandemic, we, we've increased the lengths of the appointments and the gaps in between the appointments um, so that partly to increase the cleaning, although I, I don't actually think that's really the main reason. I think the main reason is to, is to space people out because um, things like maintaining social distancing in a busy start in a busy waiting room is not really very easy to do. So uh, if you have the same number of patients, but within the private and the NHS, uh, within the private and the DEM plan schemes, um, we have a bit more control over that. We can slightly increase or reduce the prices if we want to. We haven't, we haven't changed our private fees or our DEM plan fees and our practice because you know we, we've, we've been lucky enough that we've been generating um, a reasonable level of profit. We've not charged for PPE. We, we've, we've basically tried to keep everything as, as, um, as we would have run it and not pass on any costs. So we've, we've been very, very lucky. Um, and, and, and really sort of looking at what we've been, we've been um, making as a business, it's perhaps a little bit different from the years before. We're, we're making perhaps a little bit less money uh, than we have, but we're in a very privileged position. If you look at the high street right now, there's a lot of, lot of shops not open with huge levels of uncertainty over what the future is going to hold. So from my perspective, um, you know, I, I personally feel very, very privileged to be in healthcare, really privileged to be in dentistry because, you know, let's face it, most of my patients don't want to see me, but they come in because they need to see me. And, you know, and actually is um, at the moment has worked in our favour. Um, so we've been very lucky. Good. No, that's really good to hear. I think it's good to take away some positives from this time. And um, I mean, I, I think there is some reluctance to, uh, among patients, but I know for a fact, myself included, I've, a lot of people who ordinarily might be quite apprehensive to visit a dentist have been very, very open to going <laughs> purely just to see people and to interact. Um, so it's, yeah, I mean, it's, we're still in limbo, I think at the moment a little bit, but um, the vaccine rollout and, and, and the summer months coming in, hopefully um, we'll start to see a move towards, towards better times and, and more certainty. Um, but just, just to round off, um, moving away from dentistry um, for the last question. Um, so I've, I've started to ask people, I, I usually round off the podcast with a sort of more informal question and I've decided to change it quite recently um, to, if you couldn't work in dentistry, um, what would you work in? <laughs> um, 
knowing what I know now, um, I, 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 I quite like dentistry. Um, it's, it's a little bit litigious and it's a little bit, you know, there's a lot of admin and it's not as fun as it was before. But um, b before I applied for dentistry, I, I actually applied um, for physiotherapy. And I, 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 you know, but actually it turns out that when you do physiotherapy, you know, and you've got to bear in mind, I was a teenager when I was making my decisions. It actually turns out a lot of physiotherapists don't work for Liverpool Football Club and they, and they do things so you, you, that sort of focuses your mind a little bit uh, I took Pierre and um, I did a, a little bit of um, I, I, I did a little bit of um, uh, work experience in other fields and I suppose I fell into dentistry I you know I still sometimes ask myself what am I going to do when I grow up because I don't you know you still ask yourself those questions and and as the years go on you think well you know I'm kind of stuck with this now um, I, I don't know what I'm done but I'll, I'll, I'll give you a quote I think Woody Allen said well somebody said that the worst thing that your father could be is a good example now my dad is an accountant so I knew what I didn't want to do I didn't I, you know, I didn't want to sit in front of a desk and I didn't want to um, input data into Excel and things like that so, so, so that didn't work for me but um, I, I, I don't I don't have a clue I, I don't know what I've done but I, I, I'd like to think that it would have been um, it would have been dealing with people on a regular basis. I would have quite liked to have done journalism, a bit, a bit like you, Gabby. So my only problem is, is that my, my written English isn't that great. Um, uh, you may not know this, but my wife, Anya, um, actually proofreads everything. As the years have gone on, I've, uh, I've needed less and less help. But my, my, my articles, uh, and I'm sure if any of, any of your viewers are, are watching this and you've read some of my earlier articles, they oh. were absolutely rubbish <laughs> <They were> terrible. <laughs> so, you know, I, I think you're doing yourself a disservice there Neil I think um I think I, I, yeah I, I, that's that's I, you, you do a good job at writing uh, but it's nice to have your your wife there though to sort of guide you in the right direction with it um that, that does help yeah uh, <laughs> it's it, you know, she, she's almost like my sounding board and and she does she's not a she's not a dentist but um very often when we have conversations with uh with our friends about dentistry, she'll, she'll just interject and say, ah, oh, but the NHS said this, and no, actually you're wrong because of this. And she, yeah, she's, she's picked up of, um, quite a lot of um, very sort of, for her, useless information. <laughs> <laughs> I know what you mean, that doesn't surprise me. If ever I need any help with anything, then I'll, I'll, I'll go to her and uh, ask her some questions. <laughs> I'll give you the quotes and, and I'll sort of, you know, give you an idea of what uh, I think. But then my, my, my wife can sort of make it sort of into a, a slightly more readable format for you. Perfect. That's a, that's a, good, uh, a good partnership you've got there, it sounds. <laughs> Excellent. Well, thanks so much for uh, taking some time out of your day today, Neil. Um, yeah, good luck with everything. Thank you very much. And thanks for all the good work you're doing as well, Gabby.